exactly one year ago today. Bright Suns and good morning travelers, welcome to the Bright Suns podcast. This is the first episode. This is this is pretty exciting, I think. Bright Suns and good morning. Bright Suns and good afternoon travelers. Bright Suns and good afternoon travelers. Bright Suns and good afternoon travelers. Bright Suns, bright Suns, bright Suns, bright Suns and welcome travelers. Bright Suns travelers. Today is a very very cold January day here in New England. Bright Suns travelers, welcome. Welcome to the Bright Suns podcast. Oh my god, Jedi. Is patience. But I don't have any. I really don't have any. Oh my god, I can't wait Jedi for this to come out. Come. It's so exciting. Bright Suns Travelers, welcome! Uh, you know, I think I've gone on for, for a while now, and you know what I didn't do? Bright Suns Travelers! Bright Suns Travelers, welcome to the Bright Suns Podcast, the show for pop culture nerds like myself to obsess over, dissect, love, cherish, and respect all things in the geekdom with a twist of positivity. Bright Suns Travelers, welcome! Bright Suns, and welcome! Welcome to the Bright Suns Podcast, the show for pop culture nerds like myself to obsess over, dissect, love, cherish, and respect all things in the geekdom with a twist of positivity. travelers welcome welcome to the bright suns podcast the show for pop culture nerds like myself to obsess over dissect love cherish and respect all things in the geekdom with a twist of positivity my name is mike and today holy shit (laughs) it's the first year anniversary of the bright suns podcast so today uh we're not really talking about star well we're gonna talk about star wars don't worry (laughs) we're not really focusing on star wars or on Marvel or DC or comic books or video games or anything like that. Today, we're focusing on you, the listener, and me, the host, because that's, I mean, that's kind of the required parts of a podcast, right? You listening, me hosting. It's a good relationship we got going on. I like it. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, welcome to the Bright Suns podcast. Uh, It has been a hell of a couple of months, a hell of a year, and I am very excited to get into this episode. I don't know if you can tell, like the energy's kind of kind of up there today right now. I have had probably a terrible, terrible couple of months. Uh, I don't know if you've been following on Twitter. Uh, the stress levels are like through the roof. Work has been super crazy. My day job, because people have been out or on vacation like every single week for a week, and we're already not a big company. So Stress at work has been huge. I've got a mouse problem in my apartment, so I'm dealing with that. And it's just, it's been so stressful, which is kind of my excuse that I'm using for why it's been so long since I've released an episode. And, you know, I think it's kind of a good one. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, what is new? What is new with Bright Suns? Well, I have launched a, a, a merch store. And then I took it down and then I brought it back up and then I took it down again. Um, 
I launched a merch store with Teespring. And shortly after, you know, I, I got a sale, a couple of sales. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, I'm going to request a payout because I want to buy a sample to like try some new products out. And that's when I realized that I, I'd kind of gone on and kind of seen what people were thinking about Teespring and other services. And that's when I found out that they're, they might be going under. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great. I just started this thing. Uh, so the merch store right now is down. Uh, or it's not really down. You can still get to it. It's just that I've removed all the links to it. So if you get there because you have the link bookmarked or whatever, fine, go for it. I just can't guarantee that I'll get a payout. So I'm working on a new one. I've got new products, new stuff, a new site. It's a lot of work. It's an insane amount of work to get this thing set up. It's not just setting up like a Teesprings thing. It's, it's basically setting up my own e-commerce. So it's coming. <laughs> Teespring is still up. I'll probably put the link back up. So if you want to buy something to support the show, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Teespring's quality is like really good. So the quality of these things is awesome. Uh, so I'll put the link back up eventually, maybe. And then eventually it will switch to a new store with new stuff. A lot of new stuff. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, because... That's what shows do after a year, right? They probably do it a lot sooner than a year, but I'm not, not exactly keeping up with this thing the way I should. Uh, so yeah, so let's kind of dive right in. I don't think this episode's going to be terribly long, uh, but we're going to get into why I started it because I, I don't know if I've fully gone into why I started this podcast and also my entire Star Wars story. I mean, everybody's got a Star Wars story, don't they? Everybody's got a place that they started and how it led them to be where they are now and kind of shape who they are now. Star Wars is insanely, insanely influential on people's lives. So we'll get into that. And then I've got some questions to answer from the audience. Admittedly, not, not as many as I wanted, but... Uh, I don't know if like the Twitter algorithm was just like hiding this stuff on you. So uh, if you wanted to ask me a question and you never saw the post on Twitter or anything, uh, go ahead and, and at me on Twitter. I don't care. I'll read questions every single episode. If, <laughs> if you guys send them, I don't care. Uh, send me voice messages too. I'll, I'll probably put that in um, my link tree on Twitter. So starting off, let's start off with my Star Wars story, because I think that's a good place to go. And pretty much anytime I'm, I'm a guest on a podcast, that's kind of like one of the questions they ask is like, hey, how did you get started in Star Wars? Well, a long time ago in a galaxy uh, uh, right here, <laughs> I was sitting on a couch. It's one of my earliest memories of life in general, not even my earliest memories of Star Wars, but like my earliest memories of being alive. I was sitting on the couch and my dad and I were on the couch together. We were watching our little tube TV and I don't know if it was on TV or if it was a VHS recording, but we were watching The Empire Strikes Back. And the thing that I remember the most, it's like a core memory now, is the Wampa scene. And I think everybody knows that scene. And I just remember being like terrified of this thing, like lurking in the shadows and, and 
um, you know, Luke moving the lightsaber with his hand. I thought that was the coolest thing. This was the first thing that I remember in life. And it's a lightsaber. It's this amazing tool that this guy has, this sword that's made of laser, <laughs> right? Like, how cool is that? Like, I, I don't care what culture you come from. A sword that is a laser is going to be cool. <laughs> and that was, that was how I started memorizing that. Like I, that is my first memory as a human being. <laughs> it's a lightsaber, Luke swinging his lightsaber and chopping off the Wampa's arm. I remember being terrified of the Wampa and I was, I was glad that Luke Skywalker got away. I was happy that he escaped because I didn't want to see the thing anymore. But, uh, that, that's, that's, it just triggered this thing. So every time I watch that movie, that is such like a comfort thing for me. So that is what the original trilogy always is for me is, is comfort because immediately after that, my dad started making me, well, not making me watch. I really wanted to watch the, uh, the original star Wars episode four. And then I wanted to watch, uh, return of the Jedi. Cause I was, you know, I was, I was born after the original trilogy, uh, ended. So that's really where I got started was just watching this thing with my dad on the couch. And I, you know, and it's, it's just such a, it's such a comfort thing. It's, it's home to me when I watch these movies and obviously nothing really happened, uh, for a long time with star Wars from, uh, the time I was a, a wee lad to 1999. And 1999, I was 14 years old. And I remember seeing the trailers for episode one for Phantom Menace. And I was so excited. <laughs> like, I was beyond excited. I was about to lose my mind kind of excited. So here we are. We get to the theater we're about to watch the newest Star Wars movie. Like this is this is history in the making. There's not been a moment like this since 1977, right? And we get out of the movie and I liked it. I really did like it. But there was something I was like, "Ah, okay. That was fun. I enjoyed it." But it was interesting. Anyway, as a 14-year-old kid, I really didn't think too much about, like, you know, the deeper meanings of anything. I, like, going to watch it now as an adult, I, I get things in it that I didn't get when I was a kid. But as a 14-year-old kid, I liked the spectacle. I loved the music. Oh, my God, did I love the music. I was a band geek in high school. So 14 years old, I was just starting, uh, I was just starting high school when the prequel trilogy came out. And I was, I was a band geek and kind of an internet nerd. Like I loved the internet. It, it <laughs> like, I'm so dating myself right here. Uh, guys, the internet was only four years old. <laughs> the internet was four years old when, uh, the, the Phantom Menace came out like four ish, maybe five. <laughs> And like the widespread internet, as far as like regular people having it and not just engineers at fucking DARPA. Uh, so the, the internet was like four or five years old and the Phantom Menace comes out 
And, and, and see, we had these things back in the day called chat rooms. And chat rooms were just bonkers back in the day. Uh, they were lighting up this movie, like in a bad way. Everybody hated it. They hated Jar Jar. They hated everything. They hated the kid. They hated everything except for like the pod racing scene and Maul. Everything else they hated. <laughs> and it kind of sounds familiar nowadays, doesn't it? But everybody was just lighting this thing up online. The critics, like the professional movie critics, they hated it. Uh, the everyday fans, they hated it. Uh, they said it was, it, it, it murdered their childhoods and it was, uh, the, you know, the worst thing ever. And George Lucas needs to have Star Wars removed from him and given to somebody else. And of course I bring all this up because of nowadays. <laughs> so the funny thing is like a total tangent on this, but when you grow up at that age, watching these things happen, and then in your thirties, uh, a new series comes out and you see all this crap come out about the new saga or the new trilogy. And it's the same shit as the prequel trilogy, but nobody's acknowledging that because everybody is like 20 years old. <laughs> so when the prequel trilogy came out, they were like maybe an infant. <laughs> so they didn't watch it until they were like five or six maybe 10, I don't know, but they didn't watch it until years later. So they, they have this sense of nostalgia and it's way past the time anybody's talking about it online. But I'm going to tell you from personal experience, the prequel trilogy was hated. And I didn't like that because I liked one. I was pretty good with two and I loved three. Revenge of the Sith was a masterpiece back in the day. I loved it so much. And I think that's the one that everybody kind of, kind of liked, but people still hated it because they hated Hayden Christensen. And I hated that people hated Hayden Christensen because I loved him in that role, especially there. I wasn't terribly crazy about him in Attack of the Clones. I get it. It's okay if you liked it. I just, I wasn't crazy about him. To this day, I'm still a little now about him in Attack of the Clones. But we can all agree, Revenge of the Sith, just masterpiece, beautiful movie. Hayden Christensen is perfect. But everybody still hated it, just not as much. Not as much as Episode 1, not as much as Episode 2. But Episode 3, they still hate it. The critics panned on it. But I didn't, I didn't get the total level of hate. I didn't understand why people were so against it, you know? Like, I was I was a fan from when I was a kid. I loved the originals. I loved the toys. I loved the <laughs> lightsabers in general. I mean, come on. And I, I just, I didn't understand. I could not wrap my mind around why these people were so angry. And... That pretty much lasted right up until like 2012 and 13 or whatever. Basically, whenever it was that that Disney announced they were going to be buying Lucasfilm. And I know it was a few years before The Force Awakens came out. But in that time, you know, I had just been a, I'll admit, I was a fairly casual fan. I was not going into like the books. I was not going into the comic books. I would just 
sit there and rewatch whenever it came on TV and whenever I felt like it, I would rewatch all six of the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, and I loved it. So why am I such a huge fan now? And why am I such a fervent defender of the sequel trilogy? Well, that is where the story takes a turn. Because in 2015, The Force Awakens came out. And it came out in, I believe, December. So it was the very, very end of 2015. December, the movie comes out. It, again, like the other ones, reawakens my love of Star Wars. And I was in a fairly good place at the time. My wife and I had actually just gotten married that year. And I was working a decent, what I thought was a decent job at a bank. And so December rolls around. The Force Awakens comes out. It's great. It's unbelievably good to me. I was ecstatic. I loved it so much. I was so thrilled that the story was continuing and that it continued so well. And we had that Excalibur moment with Rey getting the, the lightsaber and, and it called to her and it answered her when she was the one calling for it, not Kylo. Oh my God, that was such a powerful moment. I was so, oh, I was so moved by it and, and so, so uh, emboldened and, and invigorated into Star Wars again. And I was, I was dying for more. And then January hits and I lost my job at the bank. And I was devastated because that was like the worst possible time for us to uh, have me lose my job because I was, I was the breadwinner. And we very, very, very quickly went into an insane amount of debt, trying to keep paying rent, trying to pay utilities, trying to pay for our vehicles, trying to pay for food, and we, we couldn't keep up. And granted, at the time, we weren't really handling our bills the way adults really should, even though we were like 30. It just wasn't, it wasn't the way that we should have handled bills, and that caught up with us. And so after, you know, after a few months, uh, you know, I, I couldn't find a job. I was having the hardest time finding a job. I, it was January to April, the end of April beginning of January to the end of April with no paycheck and nothing from unemployment because of the way that the bank decided to uh, list my, my termination. You know, they, they had told me one thing and then told the state something else. So I was ineligible for uh, unemployment. So I was getting literally nothing for almost four months. And in that time, you know, we fell behind on, on everything. And we ended up, you know, I, I got a job in April that paid a lot less than what I was making at the bank, but it was a job. And I wasn't happy with it. It was a job that I just took to, to just kind of have a job. And I wasn't happy with it. I hated that I was there. I just was like, hey, I got to make the best of it. So I did it. I worked it. I uh, ended up working that job for two years. But... In that first year, uh, we got so far behind that we ended up losing our apartment and my car got evicted or uh, re repossessed. That's the one. And all of our credit cards had gone 
you know, defunct. We couldn't, we couldn't use our credit cards anymore. And I had basically, I, I felt this overwhelming weight of responsibility of, for it because it wasn't, it wasn't anything that my wife did. It was me. I lost my job and I put all of that, that responsibility on me and all of that guilt was on me. So I went into the absolute worst depression of my life. And for a long time, I really thought I was probably not going to survive it. I really thought I was going to end it at some point. So that was the roughest year imaginable. And so during the darkest times, which was right around August, when we couldn't find a new place to live, we couldn't find anything that was within our price range. So we ended up having to move in with her parents, my wife's parents, my in-laws. And at 30 years old, that's, that's embarrassing as hell. 31, actually, that was embarrassing. I hated it. I hated having to have my friends come over and help me move my stuff into my wife's parents' house. But we did what we had to do, and we knew that this was the best thing for us because we would be able to save. We'd be able to pay off the debts that we racked up. And, you know, it, it was a place to live that wasn't on the streets or in the car, the, you know, the one that we had. So, uh, yeah, depression was at a peak. I felt nothing for the longest time. And the thing that nobody really tells you like before, uh, you go into a deep depression is that it completely fucks your memory. Uh, there are basically three years of my life from, uh, 2016 to 2019. I don't really remember. I don't remember birthdays or anniversaries. I don't really remember even what we did for our first year anniversary in 2016. I I was just in a funk and I knew we were losing everything. And I, uh, yeah, God, it's, it's, it's a tough topic. And I know this is kind of like, I, I want to keep this show light, but you know, this is a, a, a thing that I went through and it's, it's a huge part of why I'm such a huge Star Wars fan. And I'll get to that in a second here, because, uh, that year, that year, I believe it was Rogue One that came out. I think there was, there was the Force Awakens and then Rogue One. And then I think it was The Last Jedi. Uh, Rogue One, incredible film. And I really wanted to see it. And I, I was super excited to see it. And when we did, I was, you know, reminded of a good thing in life, which was these movies. And the MCU also had a huge part of that too, because there was always a Marvel movie coming out. And I always, I, I wanted to see that. And so I, I needed to hang in there for another day to get one day closer to that movie that I wanted to see really badly. And when I say it out loud, it really sounds, it sounds stupid. It sounds like I was like the thing that kept me from, from killing myself was, uh, seeing a movie. But the way I look at it is I, I was literally using anything as, as a finger hold on life, just something to hold on to and anything that you can hold on to, no matter what it is, is a good thing. Don't let anybody ever tell you that, that being excited for a movie is a bad reason to want to, uh, you know, continue living anything that you can hold. And I am so passionate about this topic because it, it nearly killed me. So 
forgive me if I'm getting a little worked up and emotional on this, but literally anything that is a finger hold to life that keeps you hanging in there is the best possible thing that you can hang on to because it's literally holding you here and you need to be here. You need to stay around. We need you. So 2017 rolls around and it is another garbage year and nothing is going right. And I mean, we're paying off debts, but I, I still felt like a failure every day and depression was still extremely bad. And I, I hadn't done anything about it yet. I hadn't gone to therapy. I hadn't started taking medications or anything. Uh, so 2017 is when The Last Jedi came out and the trailers for The Last Jedi, uh, were incredible. And so again, I was like, well, okay, now, now I got to hang on for that. I got, I got to see this movie. I cannot not see this movie. So I hung in there and, and I watched The Last Jedi. And, and so in order to help me get there, I needed to do the things that I needed to do. So I needed to start seeking therapy and I needed to start taking medication. And I did. And for me personally, therapy did not help. So I stopped that very quickly, but the medication did. It at least kept me from feeling, you know, the, the downward spiral. And it kept me from, uh, you know, letting literally everything just send me into these spirals. And it was, it was a good thing. So I, I hung around. I stuck around and I watched The Last Jedi and I was blown away. The Last Jedi was this remarkable, beautiful movie. And it had everything that I could have wanted out of it. And it was going to lead directly into the finale. And I knew that the finale was going to be amazing. It was going to be incredible. Where do they go from there? Where does Rey go from there? She has the text. She has no hope, really. She's kind of lost a lot of her hope. But she doesn't know what to do. Obviously, they're going to explain that in the third movie. I have to stick around for the third movie, as well as Solo, as well as all of these Marvel movies coming out. I used each and every single one. Just hold on, just a little bit longer. And every day, every week, every month that went by, every movie that I saw, I felt a little better. And I started letting the things that bothered me before go into the past, where they belong. And finally, in, what was it, 2019? 2019 is when uh, The Rise of Skywalker came out. And this was, this was going to be it. And 2019 was a good year. Because in the, just the previous year, in 20, at the very end of 2018, I got my first job in IT. And I know that a lot of people are like, oh my God, you've only been working in IT a few years and you're 37, I think is what I am now. I've only been working in IT a few years. <laughs> I have not been working in IT my entire life. I didn't even know that that's what I wanted to do until 2018, when my father-in-law pushed me to do it because he saw how much I love technology. And I loved sci-fi and I loved all this stuff. And, and I could work on technology that, that kind of resembled that, right? Like I, I needed to pursue that. So 2018, the very end of 2018 and going into 2019 was such a good year. We had paid off so much. We had paid off all 
of the past due debt, and we only had a small amount of credit card debt left. And we were ready to like start moving out and going back on our own and finding places. And of course, at that point, rent was, you know, at the beginning of going completely off the rails. So rent was like out of the question. So we kept saving and we saved and we saved and my in-laws helped amazing with this huge amount of money. I will not lie. They paid for pretty much all of the down payment, but they gave us a down payment for the house. And I will never be able to repay them for that. I will never be able to thank them enough for that. So for the rest of their life, they get free IT support from me. <laughs> um, but yeah, we bought a house in 2019. We bought the place that I'm in right now. And we were kind of just on, on this path of rebuilding our lives, getting back to where we should have been all along. And, you know, in 2019, I had gotten away from my first job in IT right before The Last Jedi came out, or I'm sorry, The Rise of Skywalker. I'd gotten away from my first job in IT, which was incredibly toxic. And I got into my second job in IT, which really showed me what a job could be, what a good job is, what it means to actually love your job. So, so 2019 was like the best fucking year ever. And then 2020 happens. <laughs> oh my God. We all know we all had a bad year 2020, didn't we? Um, but the thing about this, and, and this is where I, I, I go a little bit spiritual is Everything happens for a reason. All is as the force wills it, right? So the force willed me into this job that I, I was 100% certain I would never get. It's <laughs> 100% certain they are never going to hire me, especially not for the ridiculous amount of money they're offering for the job. So they hired me. <laughs> and then 2020 happens. But this is a job. This new job is a job that works remote. It's a job that can work remote. So A, if I ever get sick, I can just work from home, even if I'm sick. And the work isn't terribly difficult, so it's not like it's super stressful. So I can work from home if I need to. I took a couple of times, you know, working from home because I was running sick. I had a fever or something. Then March, <laughs> March of 2020 happens, and we all have to go home for... What they told us was two weeks or three weeks. Uh, and that turned into permanent. <laughs> so we're working from home and everything's crazy, but I'm still riding high off of the rise of Skywalker, right? Because it was it was so good. It was just this incredible, incredible end to 40 years of movies. And my entire life up to that point, had been dominated by Star Wars, had been dominated by Marvel and the buzzers going off. And it had been just such a wild ride. And I was so happy that that's the way that it ended and that it left it open to continue. And, and oh my God, I love that movie so much. And it means so much to me because it was this, this unbelievably high crescendo, this high note on this brilliant year of my own life. And, and, and I was, I was over the moon. I felt healed and relieved and, and, and perfect. Honestly, I felt everything. The universe made sense for the first time since 2015. 
I was so happy. Even, even though we were stuck at home, I was happy. And, you know, it just continued from there. But the thing that, that really solidified my decision to start this podcast was in 2020, my wife and I decided uh, now is the time that we're going to go back to Disney because we had been there a few years prior. Uh, yeah, we're kind of Disney adults, I guess you could call us. Like, I don't care. Disney adults are fun. If you're a Disney adult, you're you're probably fun. If you're like a crazy level Disney adult, you're still fun, but, you know, maybe take it down a notch. But we're kind of Disney adults. <laughs> we love going there and we don't have kids. Not yet. And we are, you know, we had gone a few years prior. We had a blast. The best vacation that I've ever had, because I had never been to Disney. But when we went, we saw them putting what looked like poured concrete in these tall spires in, in Hollywood studios. And I was like, what is that? I don't even know what movie that correlates to because that's weird. One of the cast members let it slip. He was like, hey, don't, don't tell anybody I told you this, but that's where Star Wars is going. <laughs> I lost my shit. <laughs> I had to like go into the bathroom because I was like, oh my God, it's coming. Disney does not fuck around when it comes to making money. They make unbelievable, unbelievable experiences at Disney. Disney is 100% about the hospitality. It's 100% about the experience and immersion. And they do such a good job with it, with all of these intellectual properties that I did not even care about as much as Star Wars. And now they're bringing Star Wars in. I fucking lost it. <laughs> so I was so excited, but I was like 11 months early when we went. <laughs> it was like 11 to 12 months before they were scheduled to open, you know, Galaxy's Edge. I had done all my research and my wife and I were like, we got to plan another trip out there. We got to go. We couldn't. So 2020, in, in January of 2020, we decided this is the year we're going to go. We booked everything. We booked the flights. We booked, we booked everything. And then COVID happened. <laughs> and of course we were like, oh, okay. Well, we booked for October. That's okay. That's okay. We can, we'll, this whole thing will be done in a couple of weeks, maybe a month at the most, right? October, it'll be fine. Everything will be back to normal. We'll be, we'll be down at Disney partying in Star Wars land. Nope. <laughs> nope did not happen at all the closer we got to october and the further out they pushed all the lockdown restrictions and everything we realized okay we're gonna have to cancel all this and rebook it so we we waited until the last possible minute and we had to cancel everything because we knew nothing's open still we we're not gonna get there not this year and it was a scary time too i mean we didn't know if we'd ever get down there but we went we got down there the following year, 2021. In July, we went for our anniversary, which was, was super nice because we're, you know, Disney's kind of a big part of our lives. And it's a huge part of my life now that they own everything that I love. But uh, we got down there for, for 2021 in July. And, uh, you know, seeing the Millennium Falcon, I got welled up in tears and 
you know, actually being able to pilot it and drinking at Aga's Cantina and having blue milk and building my own lightsaber. Oh my, these were all, these are all core memories now, by the way, like you can develop core memories whenever, but this, this is it. I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. This, there will never be even subsequent trips. I don't think are going to match that. But the thing that really solidified this podcast was August Cantina. Now, despite there still kind of being a pandemic going on, they, they don't have a lot of room in August Cantina for the amount of people that are trying to get in. Our first trip to August, we get in and they put us in a booth and they kind of put a couple of chairs on the outside of the booth because the booth is currently occupied by a family. I thought it was super awkward. I was very like, oh, wow, this is not Disney-like where I'm, I'm not comfortable with this. This is a family I don't know during a pandemic. And I'm sitting with them and, you know, my wife had to go to the bathroom, so she had to leave. And now I'm here by myself with this family who I don't know. There's a very awkward silence. And there's awkward silences kind of going all over because they're doing this with everybody. And luckily, the family that we were with uh, decided to break the ice first, because if it were up to me, I am very, 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 very introverted. I would never have started that conversation ever. <laughs> so luckily they started it and... They just, you know, said, hey, what do you think about the park? What do you think about all this? How long have you been a Star Wars fan? They started asking all the time, you know, all the types of questions that you get asked when you're a guest on a podcast. And I answered them and we started talking about our favorite things. And they started talking about the TV shows like Rebels and the Clone Wars, which admittedly at the time I had never watched. And we just started talking about Star Wars. And this was such a relief because at the time... You know, the fandom was going wild. They hated the new sequel trilogy. They hated everything. And I kind of had convinced myself that that was a majority of fans and that I was the only one that loved it. And I hated talking about Star Wars with people because I hated going into these stupid conversations where people use stupid buzzwords like woke. They have no idea what it means. And I, I just, I had gotten so accustomed to not talking about Star Wars with anybody ever. And then here's this family, this delightful family. I think they were from Indiana. And we got into like almost two hours of conversations just about Star Wars and just about the parks. And I had so much fun. I had so much fun talking to them. And I had so much fun talking to everybody in line after that. I just, I was open at that point. Every single person that we saw in line, if we saw a detail in line, We'd call it out. Somebody would say, oh, yeah, I, I see that, too. And then I'd have a conversation with them about Star Wars and about their favorite things and about all of this. I learned so much about so many people that I had never met once in my life that all the only thing that we had in common was that we, we loved Star Wars. And you have to love Star Wars if you're at Disney's Galaxy's Edge because you paid a lot of money to be there. <laughs> so you obviously probably like the sequels. And so it was just so refreshing to be there, to talk to people, to, to be around people that love the sequel trilogy as much as I do. And, and, and I found my people. I found these people that I thought didn't exist. And I was so enamored by the idea of just continuing this that when we got home, I couldn't stop. There was something in me that just said, I can't stop talking about Star Wars with people. I cannot not do this.
So I started the Twitter account because I didn't know if I would do a podcast yet. I thought it was a little cliche. I thought it was a little, oh, come on, everybody's got a podcast. But I started the Twitter account and I just got out there and I'm like, you know what? I can find groups of people like this on Twitter and on social media. I can have these conversations. I know they're out there. And luckily I found like the best crew of people. The first person that I think was one of the first people that I talked to was Ty at, at what at the time was the Wayfinder pod and who's now on MCU on repeat, who I will be talking to about the uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier coming up very soon. You should stay tuned. <laughs> but anyway, Ty was one of the first people that I talked to and he was so cool about it. He was so positive about Star Wars and so inspiring to start my show where he, he was the first person that said, the best tip that I can give you is just record, just do it, just do it now and don't look back. So I did. <laughs> so honestly, uh, if you're listening, Ty, the entire reason the show exists is because you told me to. So, uh, when I mentioned in the first episode that, uh, I've spoken a big game on Twitter and now I got to put my money where my mouth is, it's because I had told you that I would. And here I am a year later, still making episodes. <laughs> So thank you very much to Ty at, uh, he's on MCU at, re uh, MCU on repeat. Uh, I think he's at Steelbook Daddy on Twitter. Uh, follow him. He's the reason I'm here today. So thank you, Ty. Thank you, Pod too. They were also very influential. Uh, and Garrick. I feel like everybody knows Garrick. And Rural Farm Boy was one of my first follows too. <laughs> uh, so that spawned this show. All of the love and support that I got from amazing, beautiful, gorgeous human beings on Twitter uh, who are just cool and positive and let people enjoy the things that they want to enjoy. So now, now I turn the tables and I celebrate you, my audience who listens. And, and I tell you from the, the bottom of my heart that I love every single one of you that's listening right now. If you are playing this in your car, in your headphones, if you're at the gym, if you're doing anything, I want you to stop for a second. Maybe not if you're in the car. Don't stop. Just keep driving. I want you to realize that I am so appreciative of you listening to this show. I don't know if I say it enough, but I am so grateful for every single person that listens, for every single person that gets on Twitter and likes one of my posts or comments on it or replies or uh, retweets it. Every single one of you out there are incredible. And you are the reason I keep doing this show. You're the reason, you're the only reason I keep doing this show. Even if there's just one of you, even if there's none of you, I would still do it, but you're the reason I like it so much. So now I turn to you and I'm going to answer the questions that you gave me. So let's start with MCU on repeat. MCU on repeat sent me a question on one of my posts that says, what have you learned the most from podcasting? And honestly, uh, time management, not the thing. <laughs> if time management was the thing I learned, I'd probably be at episode like a hundred by now, uh, and not 17. <laughs> uh, but I have learned, uh, I think the thing that I've really learned is uh, to not, I don't know, I used to care a lot more, not care, I, that's the wrong word. I used to put a lot more attention on 
the things that I I said in the episode, and I'd, I'd, I'd leave out these blank things, and I'd, I'd actually have to do a shitload of editing to uh, get rid of blank spaces and uhs and ums and breaths and all that stuff. But I think it was at the detriment of the show because it was less of a a conversation as much of a conversation as a one-way communication can be, but it was less of a conversation. It was more just kind of this put-together thing. And, and you know, I learned a lot more about how to express myself and kind of flow from idea to idea without needing to take, like, 30-second pauses in between. I still do from time to time. You probably will never know because I tend to edit those out. But... Uh, I've just learned to be myself and I've learned like what you're getting now, the person that I was at the beginning of the show, probably a lot different. The person that I am now, this is really who I am when I get excited about something, when I get super pumped about something, this is the person that I am inside. I don't really even show this part to my wife because she loves this stuff, but just not as much. <laughs> and so if I go on for uh, what I'm at, like almost 45 minutes, if I go on like this with her, she would have told me, okay, I get it. I've, you know, I get it at like five minutes. So the fact that anybody's even listening at 45 minutes, oh, you guys are great. So I think what I've learned the most from podcasting is how to actually be myself on a microphone. That was the hardest part of starting was just trying to, to figure out how to be me and how to get me across on this thing. Uh, and talking into a microphone, you know, having these kind of conversations, this was the hardest thing to learn and it's the hardest thing to start. But once you do, you kind of can't stop. Uh, also just networking. I've found that the thing that you're going to do as a podcaster more than podcasting is supporting other podcasts. I, I, I kind of hate that my commute to work is five minutes. Uh, I, I work literally like five to eight minutes down the road from, yeah, from where I live. It's, it's so little time that I don't actually have enough time to actually listen to a lot of the podcasts that I used to listen to. And it drives me nuts because I used to listen to a few episodes of like everybody's show every single day. And within a week, I'd be caught up with everybody. But now it takes me like three days to, well, <laughs> it takes me like a solid week to get through a clone cast pod episode. Cause they're like two hours. Uh, it takes me like a couple of days to get through an MCU on repeat episode. It takes me a couple of days to get through like, uh, you know, just all these other other episodes, uh, Dark Side Divas. Uh, I listen to them and it takes me a couple of days. Um, and then it's it usually a couple of days for like Star Wars Skinny and all this other stuff. So I, I try so hard because I want to support you guys, not because I'm expecting anything back. I don't, but I want to support people who have supported me. And just by interacting with me on, on Twitter, you guys have supported me. So that, that's probably where like a great majority of my time goes is trying to listen to everybody's podcasts. And, uh, I, I still download them. I want you to know, I, I make sure that my phone downloads them. So it counts as a download towards you guys. I, I want to help you out in that regards, but sometimes I just can't keep up. So that being said, Time management is probably the next skill that I have to learn. I really do want to get better at this and I want to make more than 17 episodes a year. So I think the next thing that I have to learn is time management. And that is where 
the end of the text questions are. Unfortunately, it was just the one. Uh, but good news, I have two voice questions to answer. Uh, so first up is from everybody's friend on Star Wars Twitter, Rural Farm Boy. Michael, it's Rural Farm Boy. Senior Post and Twitterverse asking for, send me a voicemail and I'll answer it on the show for your Ask Me Anything. All right, here's my Ask Me Anything to you, Mike. Got to be Star Wars, because, because. Um, ask some other pod friends. Now you're up, your turn. Folks like to give stormtroopers a hard time saying they can't hit a broadside of a bantha and whatnot. Well, I call bullshit on that. As a former member of the 501st Legion, a stormtrooper, and a biker scout. How in nearly 30 years does the Galactic Empire keep an iron grip on that galaxy far, far away with what some folks might say is incompetent soldiers? No, bullshit. Your thoughts, Mike. Can't wait to hear them. May the force be with you, brother. See you on the radio. Oh, may the force be with you too, rural farm boy. Uh, no, I, I agree with you on that. I do think that's uh, that's a bogus take. Because, just like you said, there is no way, logistically speaking, that uh, a, a, the Empire could have lived for even a day if it had incompetent soldiers. If it had soldiers that that, when they shot, they couldn't hit anything. Now, from what I have read, I kind of like... There's two main schools of thought that I think go into this that I, I like. There's probably a billion explanations out there, but these two are my favorite. So one was Vader ordered them in the original trilogy not to hit Luke, Leia, on anybody like that because he wanted to let them think that they had gotten away so that he could get them again and he could lure them over to the, the rebels and he could follow them to the rebels. Now, we know that that's an actual plot point that he did let them get away so that they could lead him to the rebels. But I also think just Vader's kind of an arrogant dick. <laughs> okay. He knows, and he showed it in Kenobi a lot where he would just let people go. Not necessarily because he knew exactly where they were going, but because he regarded them so, so little. And, and he regarded them as nothing that he would just be like, nah, I'm going to let you live because I'm going to get you again. And this is the fun part is chasing you, knowing that you're scared and I could feel how scared you are. So I feel like that is a huge part of it, of why stormtroopers are given this bad reputation is because in the scenes that we see, they have been ordered to not be as accurate. They have been ordered to not hit certain targets. And if you've ever seen like knife throwing acts at the circus, it actually takes a ridiculous amount of talent to near miss intentionally. So I honestly think these soldiers are so ridiculously good that they can intentionally look bad. Because I think statistically, the amount of shots that they shot out, if they were actually bad soldiers, they should have accidentally shot somebody at some point during the original trilogy. They should have accidentally killed Leia at some point or accidentally killed Han. It should have accidentally happened if they were bad. But they were so good and so precise that they could look bad, but they were actually hitting every single thing they were hitting, they were aiming for, which was the air right next to them. <laughs> so that's one school of thought that I love. 
and maybe it's a combination of two. The other school of thought, and this is this is more the the religious side of things, is that the force did it. The force nudged their their arms a little bit, or the force gave them a little extra shake in that trigger squeeze. And the force knew, like there, there's only one timeline. And honestly, if if you uh, listen to my episode about who is the chosen one, uh, then you you know my my kind of thoughts on that is that the force kind of knows the beginning and the end. The force knows all. It knows how things were. It knows how things are going to be. And for the force, everything is as it is and was at the same time. All of time exists at the same time for the Force. It's it's a weird kind of nebulous thought, but the MCU is handling it brilliantly. But it's only a single timeline. Everything that is, everything that was, everything that ever will happen, will only happen one way. And we know this because of the world between worlds. But getting back to why we know this or why uh, the Force would even do this to begin with. Why would the Force, you know, intentionally make Stormtroopers miss? Well, it's because it knew that Luke was the key to saving Anakin from Vader, you know? It knew that Leia was going to be the key to training Rey. It knew the importance of these characters. It knew that Han was going to be the one to find Rey. It knew it... I honestly think that the Force did everything it did to protect Rey. Rey needed the original trilogy characters in the sequel trilogy, and we all know how important those roles were. Han was like basically a father figure to her. For as short as she knew him, she really looked up to him and really respected him because of his legend, because of who he was. And when she met him, some of that legend was kind of dissolved, but, you know, she... she kind of got affirmed on some of the other stuff. He is a hero. And I honestly think that the Force did everything that it did in the original trilogy and did everything that it ever did to nudge these little blaster bolts out of the way because it needed to save Rey. Because Rey, ultimately, is the one who's going to destroy all the Sith. And she did. In the Rise of Skywalker. Deal with it, hater. She's the chosen one. <laughs> She's one of the chosen ones. Just listen to my other episode. But that, those are the two thoughts that I really love when it comes to why the stormtroopers can't hit anything. It's not that they can't, it's that they're ordered not to, and the force is telling them otherwise. The force is doing something. So I love those two schools of thought. But yes, there's no way, no way that the galaxy could stand, the empire could stand for a single day with bad soldiers. It just, it, there's no way it could have taken over. There's no way it could have done anything that it did with bad soldiers. And there's no way that Obi-Wan would have ever said, only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. He wouldn't have ever said that if they weren't ever precise. And he fought alongside the clones and he knows that, well, they're not going to take worse soldiers. They're probably going to get as good or better. And that's exactly what they did. Stormtroopers are, are what? They're conscripted children, right? <laughs> kind of like the Jedi. Anyway, uh, that is a very, very, very good question. Thank you very much, Rural Farm Boy, for sending that in. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, no. The uh, Stormtroopers, they're badass. They're badass. They, they're, they're tough. Uh, and the 501st Legion, you guys, mm, incredible. I love your work. You guys are so good at these little details. Like, 
I will say it a million times, some of my favorite people in any fandom are the cosplayers because not only do they look awesome, ask them details. Ask them about little tiny things like, oh, hey, that belt buckle on this on this costume that you've made, that you freaking made, like, like an artist, <laughs> like that belt buckle. How much work did you put into that belt buckle? And they will go off for hours and they are so excited to tell you about it. That's why cosplayers are the best fans that have ever existed. They put so much love and devotion into this thing and I love it. Uh, so anybody in the 501st Legion that is listening, new or former members or soon to be members, you guys are great. I love you. <laughs> and Rural Farm Boy, you're friggin' best. I love you. You're awesome. You're like everybody's best friend in Star Wars Twitter and I love it. Uh, if you're not following Rural, Rural Farm Boy, uh, you should. I'll leave his Twitter handle in the uh, in the description of the show. Uh, go follow him on Twitter. He's awesome. Anyway, the next question that we got is from Star Wars Skinny. Hi, this is CJ from the Star Wars Skinny podcast. Um, I have a question for your Ask, Ask Me Anything episode. Uh, if you were in the Star Wars universe a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and you needed bodyguards... Who are you choosing? Um, me, I, I, I'd take some Gamorrean guards because uh, those those piggies are loyal. Um, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, CJ. Um, yes, Gamorrean guards, fantastic choice. I can choose anybody. That's a hard choice. I probably, ooh, part of me still wants to go Gamorrean guards because yes, they are incredibly loyal. Uh, they are dummy thick. <laughs> and, uh, the scene in, in, uh, the book of Boba Fett where they got pushed over the cliff. Uh, I have probably never felt so much hurt for a character or for two characters, uh, in my entire life of watching Star Wars. I felt so bad for them and I wanted nothing more than to see my little piggies live. Um, so Gamorrean guards definitely would be right near the top of the list, if not the top. I would probably have like a top three. And I'd be like, all right, I have to choose now between Gamorrean guards. I would I would wonder about Mandalorians, right? Like if you could just hire some Mandalorians, you wouldn't need that many, honestly. Like if I could just hire like Din and Boba, pff, I am never dying. <laughs> Din and Boba together, you're set, you're golden. Just that scene in Book of Boba Fett when the camera's panning around them and they're like, Oh, I felt like such a kid watching that scene. Robert Rodriguez did so good on that episode. But I would wonder about some Mandalorians. Maybe like uh, maybe like a Sabine Wren. Maybe, uh, you know, just hire a couple of them. You know, a lot of them were working as bounty hunters, right? I'm sure if I could just beat the price that they make bounty hunting and just guard my ass, then yeah, I could probably secure a couple of Mandalorians. Maybe learn a few things about what they do, too. That would be pretty cool. But top three. So Gamorrean guards, Mandalorians. And I'd wonder about former Imperial uh, uh, Empire's Royal Guard. The guys in all red. You know, I, I, I would I would wonder about maybe hiring a couple of those guys. You know, I think those guys would also be pretty good because that was their whole job before. They were just the Royal Guard. That's that's the only thing they do is be a body, bodyguard. And 
they're incredibly well talented. We didn't really see their talent in the original trilogy, but if I could get some of the ones like the ones that they had in the throne room scene of The Last Jedi, oh, unless you're Rey and Kylo Ren, you're not getting anywhere near me <laughs> because those dudes were badass. I feel like like those guys would also be a very formidable choice <laughs> for, for bodyguards. Uh, runner up would probably be if I could find some Knights of Ren, some of those types of people, you know, somebody like that. Uh, I honestly think the, uh, Royal, Royal Guard was probably more badass than the Knights of Ren, but yeah. So uh, my top four, my top three, and then the runner up, Gamorrean Guards, Mandalorians, Royal Guard tied for first. <laughs> Cause I, 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 I don't know if I can choose between those three and then runner up. Knights of Ren. So that is my choice for my bodyguards. Now, where I would set up base, I don't know. See where the spice takes me, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think, you know, I'd probably want to get away from Tatooine. I'd probably set up on like Nar Shaddaa. You know, you want to disappear. You, you go to like maybe one of the lower levels of Coruscant or Nar Shaddaa. That's where I'd set up. But yeah. Those would be my bodyguards. Maybe I'll just hire like one of each. I'll just have a Gamorrean guard, a Mandalorian, a Royal guard, and a Knight of Ren. That'll be my, that'll be my quartet of security. We'll be those four. Uh, thank you so much, CJ, for asking that. That was, that was an awesome question. Um, and that's it. <laughs> that's all I got for questions, unfortunately. Uh, but like I said, if you ever have a question that you want me to answer on the show, I will gladly answer it. So hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Bright Suns Media. I will leave a link to send me a voicemail question uh, and I'll play it on the show whenever. I don't care. Like, it doesn't have to be a special episode. I'll play it whenever and I'll answer your questions live on air. Um, I'll leave a link in the show notes and I'll put a link in the link tree on all of my social bios. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening. I'm going to wrap it up here because, uh, it's, we're, we're closing in at over an hour and, and that is all I got for you today. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening for the past year. Oh, I have so much that I want to do for year two. I have the next two episodes already written out. I just have to record them. Uh, so hopefully it's, you know, not four months that it takes me to do that, but I will get these next two episodes out as soon as I can. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for coming back every single time. Thank you for uh, following me on Twitter, on Instagram, on socials of all sorts, and for commenting and liking and subscribing and doing all of this fun stuff. Uh, thank you so much. And as always, may the first be.